pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football, heaven. We appreciate all of you uh, being here on, it seems like a holiday, but uh, we're happy to be with you. I know a lot of the bowl games going on. We'll update you a little bit later on. But there's also a lot happening tonight. Uh, the Aggies finally get into the action. We, uh, Some of you have been wondering, where's the SEC? Well, the SEC walks late. The only conference that had, has not played in a bowl game, but that's about to change. How about Nico time? Joe Milton opting out of the Citrus Bowl. This is uh, the Bowl Challenge Cup, something I know all of you keep track of at home. If you don't, we'll keep track of it for you here. Winner gets a whatever. Uh, Brandon Marcello joining us from 24-7. Brandon, always great to to say hello to you, and uh, we hope you had a good holiday, uh, New Year coming up. But I want to start with uh, the the news out of Tennessee today. Joe Milton gone. Uh, Nico time. That's something that uh, a lot of Tennessee fans, based on what we read, pretty happy about. What does it mean? Yeah, we get to finally see the future. And much like last season when Joe Milton was throwing the spotlight in the bowl game, now they do it for a second straight year at Nico. And, uh, we, you know, we talk about opt-outs being just the absolute bane of the college football's existence right now in, in bowl season. But sometimes there's a good part of it that comes to that. You get a, a jump start to next season, especially when it's at a prime position like quarterback where Nico's the guy that, heck, people like me talking heads in the preseason are wondering how many games is he going to play this season? Is he going to be given a shot? to start and we're going to see it in this bowl game in a, a really just an absolute mishmash of weird style matchups uh in this bowl game but yes it's nico time and i can't wait to see how he performs let's uh look a- ahead to, a couple, to the game tonight not not really a critical game you have kentucky jumping into the fray a little bit later in the week and then here comes here comes the onslaught uh friday night saturday Obviously, all, all day Monday. We'll, we'll, we'll save the Rose Bowl for, for last, but let's talk about this Georgia-Florida State situation because FSU made a lot of noise, but uh, it's hard to imagine a program that's had a, a worse three or four weeks on, on top of what didn't happen for them, the opt-outs, uh, the ACC kind of controversy. Put it all into perspective, first on the field, then we'll get off the field. Yeah, on the field, they're just not going to look anything like they did, even in that ACC championship game where they had to play without Jordan Travis, a quarterback. Uh, our, our Florida State side, they went through the numbers before I think even Keon Coleman announced he isn't coming back next season. But something like 96 to 97% of their offensive output is going to be gone for the Orange Bowl. This is going to look like a spring scrimmage roster for Florida State going into this uh, game. In fact, it's they, their roster right now is not as strong as it will be in the spring when they'd actually do scrimmages. So, uh, you know, sadly for Florida State fans, it's just been a terrible month, but that, that orange ball is going to be pretty ugly. Uh, and, I mean, listen, we've seen some bowl games, and especially in the very far past, where – you know, back then it was players getting suspended. You know, you have four players getting suspended for partying late at night or something like that. And you go into the game like, oh, boy, they're going to get their tails kicked and they end up winning. There's a situation where you're losing practically your entire output offensively, not to mention Jared Verse and other p- pieces on that defense. It's uh, 
But if you're a Florida State fan, I would just dig back underground and stay underground, stay in your bunker, and maybe just follow the news about how and when and potentially where Florida State might land as a athletics program in another conference here within the next five years as they go battle the ACC in court here. Yeah, you know, maybe if they're, if they're down by three touchdowns at halftime, they can sue someone. For, uh, Brandon, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about what I was referring to there a minute ago and what happened uh, late last week. Uh, and, you know, we know what happened. Uh, the ACC countersued, uh, at least went to court looking for some type of declaratory judgment. Uh, what are people saying? What, what does this really mean and outside of all the legal mumbo jumbo? Yeah, you know, listen, re- remember back last August, we we're expecting this to end up happening, them taking the ACC to court, but maybe not until this upcoming August. Remember, their board members said, hey, we want an exit plan given to us within the next calendar year. And that exit plan was step one, let's take them to the court. And they've been discussing this for the better part of two years in different avenues, different ways. And the entire ACC is on pins and needles to see how this is all handled whether it goes to court or not, just because it's going to potentially pave exit uh, paths for other programs, including the likes of Clemson or North Carolina and the Virginia schools. So uh, the ACE, I wouldn't say the ACC is on life support or anything like that, but it is going to be fascinating to see how this is all handled between the lawyers. And then if it does go to court among the court in the court system, and by the way, the, the big issue here right now as they try to go to this, if it does go to court, is is will this venue be in Florida? And right now it is in Florida. And if it is in Florida, the court, the court has assigned a judge to the case who, surprise, surprise, is a Florida State alum. Uh, we saw something similar happening with the Michigan uh, lawsuit against the Big Ten that ended up not happening going to court. But that's what happens when these venues are local. You're going to get someone that went to the school there probably assigned to the case. Meanwhile, the the the, the ACC suing their 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 the, the Florida State right now. That venue is in Carolina, and so that's not necessarily uh, productive for Florida State. But I, I part of me would be surprised if this actually does go to court. This is just a way I think of Florida State being able to somehow negotiate down their exit fee. But in the end, if they really want that uh, to be completely let go and let free, this is going to have to go to court. But I'm telling you, you talk to experts on this. We've never seen it before. I don't think anybody knows quite what to expect. Um, And still, I would be surprised if this ends up going to court because, man, you don't want all that paperwork and all those contracts and all that stuff out there in the open. Yeah, just from a jurisdictional standpoint, it seems like the action would be more where the ACC resides than what Florida State is claiming, unless they can claim something happened down there, which it didn't. Um, the bigger question, I think, for sports fans is assuming they found some accommodation, and, and you know these things usually work out in lawyers' boardrooms where the lawyers are squeezing everybody dry for $1,000 an hour. Where, where does Florida State go, assuming that they can get out of the ACC? Yeah, I've been catching a lot of flack about this, and so have some other reporters. I mean, listen, like, based off my sourcing, right now, the SEC and the Big Ten, they're sitting back going, we don't even want to talk to you or even deal with any or, like, plan anything out or even look at the possibility until you figure out your whole situation there in the court system. We don't want to get entangled with that. So we're talking about emotions getting involved, but obviously this is a big business and ESPN being involved in the ACC in addition to the SEC. And then you got the Big Ten out there who their main uh, uh, partner is Fox. 
it's very complicated to even start even thinking of having those type of conversations. Meanwhile, you have Florida State brass telling me and others like, oh, we'll go to the Big Ten if we want to. We'll go to the SEC if we want to. I mean, it is safe to assume that. And certainly they have probably had unofficial communication through channels. So-and-so told me this, so-and-so told me this, that yes, we'll have a soft landing spot. But that's not really predetermined for them. That's not something they should be betting on at this moment. And to me, this is a situation that's going to have to drag on for several years. This is not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over the next six months. It's going to take some time. Florida State will be able to land somewhere. I don't see how anybody would really in their right mind want to pass up on them. But does it become like a bidding war between the Big Ten and the SEC? I don't see it that way. I also am interested to see how the Florida State brass will handle all this once the court case goes away or whatever, because you've got a lot of them, again, emotions mixing with business, that believe that the Big Ten is where they should go because they don't want no part of the SEC because they feel like they're better than the SEC being in the, in the footprint there. It's, it's, it could get even more complicated once this court case gets all settled because, again, I think emotions are going to be mixing up with business a little bit here. Meanwhile, uh, at the other school in Florida that matters, uh, Trevor Etienne says, I'll see you guys later. He's heading to Georgia. And you know, bad situation just keeps growing worse. Um, it, it, I don't think I can't find a charitable way to describe Billy Napier's situation at UF, but I'll give you a shot. Um, his schedule next year is a fire me schedule, number one. And I think players and some of the coaches see it that way too, and they're looking out for themselves. Trevor going to Georgia, obviously. He's in a great spot going to Georgia, by the way. He's going to be the starter pretty much automatically. And it's going to be someone who could rush for 1,000 yards there. But Florida, I just don't see how Billy Napier can get out of this. I think he's a good coach. It's just that at this point, you need to show a lot of progress going into year three to give yourself a puncher's chance. And they don't really have that. That again, that schedule, just right off the bat. Yeah, I don't care but what Brandon, they do forget the, the schedule. What, uh, that's not. That, that, what has he done uh, that that makes you believe that this program is heading in the right direction? No, nothing. Not yet. No, he hasn't. I mean, they have not capitalized on getting the facilities that they wanted. They have not capitalized on a good recruiting start this offseason. They still had a pretty good class, but then they started losing guys. Obviously, they're losing guys to the portal. Then you start hearing things about some of the hires that have been made here this offseason, in particular the strength and conditioning program where certain administrators were overseeing things and getting involved. It, you're starting to think, see things chipped away as far as the power structure there at Florida. And as we know, at a place like Florida, when you start seeing people poking their fingers in the pie, that's when things are really on – really shaky ground and things could fall apart. But again, I do have to bring up the schedule because that's the reality. It's wins and losses. They don't have the roster next year to put together, I think, a seven-win team, let alone get to back to where Florida should be in year three under him, which is nine or ten wins. This is a team that's destined to me to finish 500 or below. And to me, if I was a betting man, it'd be below 500 next year, and Billy Napier's probably going to be looking for a new job. Brandon Marcello, great to have you uh, here, Brandon. We'll talk soon. Uh, enjoy the new year. And we head to the break right now. Much more to come. Many of your phone calls will continue. We have other guests on a Wednesday afternoon. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And we are back. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to the, the coach at South Alabama. Had a had some really interesting career. We had a 10-win season last year. Just won a bowl game. And uh, we we'll, uh, had a big win over Oklahoma State. We'll talk to him in a couple of minutes. Let's, let's do it. Thank you. We'll do that. Jace is up next in Augusta. Hello, Jace. Hey, how you doing, Paul? We are doing well. Thank you. All right. A um, couple things I, I, I was going to talk about uh, the Florida State and, and Georgia game, but I mean, there's no point now with, with the opt outs on Florida State. I mean, uh, Georgia's going to win that game handily. Um, but I wanted to uh, bring up the, uh, um, the transfers that we got in with ATN, and we got a uh, wide receiver in from uh, Vanderbilt and a wide receiver in from. Uh, Miami, right? Uh, on top of um, on top of the, the number one recruiting class. Um, so, I mean, what do you see for next year for for, for UGA? Well, Jace, thanks for the call. I, I see a, a more difficult schedule uh, as everyone does, but I also see a, a team that's got the most important ingredient: the quarterback. He'll be one of the top quarterbacks in the country. He has a lot of compliments. Etn is a huge pickup. I mean, that's just not like going in the portal and getting a good player. That's going out and uh, and getting uh, you know, a guy that really should be uh, an All SEC performer. So uh, remember about next year, though. It's it's not about eleven or twelve wins. It's not about anything other than being in a position to get to the playoffs in, in Georgia is already in that position. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it very, very much. J.D. is in Mississippi. Uh, hello, J- J.D. How you doing today, Mr. Powell? Hey, we're doing great. Thank you. Listen, let me ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Well, uh, the independent game coming up out here, and just several different ways about it. Do you think we're going to be on the offense side 
And if they're in Michigan, or do you think the defense is going to take the uh, show? Well, J.D., remember one thing about Michigan. Uh, as, as good as we think Alabama is defensively, Michigan yes, is considered to be better. And yes, sir, that- Alabama hasn't seen a team where, uh, I mean, Georgia's the closest, but uh, Alabama has won a lot of games on defense this year. And uh, this is going to be a real challenge for them. I mean, the one thing I just, statistically, everything, uh, a lot of things, not everything, but a lot of things favor Michigan. Uh, they have, a, they have a, 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 a bully offensive line. They've got great running backs by the several great running backs. They have a very consistent quarterback. But I just uh, don't believe their speed can match Alabama. And I know everyone's going to tell me that, you know, this, the surface out there will negate some of Alabama's speed. Well, I'll believe that when I see it. Yes, sir. Well, the next question, I know you got a lot of people waiting on. Uh, what do you think about Miro and coming back next year? Do you think he's going to stay with us? Or oh, yeah. No, Mil- Milro's got to come back. I mean, Milro uh, has had uh, the season of his life, but it, it wasn't complete from start to finish. And I think he knows that to improve his stock down the road, that uh, he's in the right place. Uh, thank you for the call. First sighting of this individual since Christmas Eve. Larry survived Christmas. Yay! Yeah, man. I got every vehicle I own broke down. Ain't that something? How did that happen, Larry? I got three trucks. Three trucks. Well, I got the radiator one blue on one. My transmission is out. My new Silverado. And my uh, Ford is just a Ford. It's a piece of yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. On road <laughs> hey, Larry, you ever thought about getting your car serviced? Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm just unlucky, man. I'm just unlucky, dude. I mean, usually, what, but, every yeah, couple I'm, months you're supposed to take your car into the the Jiffy Lube or the dealer and, and have them take a look, but uh, you just you just wait for one to break down and... Pop it up. I mean, it must, no, it must be nice I, to have I, three I got, trucks. I got, listen, ho, ho, yo. I got two hundred fifty thousand on my Tahoe. It's a two thousand. Okay, well that could I be the problem. I take all. I take care of them. I take care of them. Yeah, I got a Silverado. Hey, Larry, Larry this is not nineteen sixty five where you, you you drive a car until it drops. I mean, it's, you can go get yeah, a you can go yeah, maybe that's true. get a good lease. Maybe buy a used car. I know. I, yeah, I'd buy that Tahoe. Uh, this Larry, one I, I, I can uh, I can hook you up with some some dealers in Shelby County if you want me to give you a few names. I ain't wanting none of these crooks down here. You okay. kidding me? Okay. Shoot. Like that attitude. Yeah, none of these. Yeah, you shaky transmission's got sawdust in it. No well, Larry, person. have you ever thought hey. about walking in the dealership and saying, hey, I'm Larry from the Feinbaum Show? I did that. That's oh, okay. why I bought this one. Oh, okay. They gave me extra. The transmission's out and they gave me an extended warranty. Hey, check it out. You said Michigan, uh, Alabama, just uh, Michigan's defense is a little better. Here we go again, Paul. You're yeah. saying something that ain't right. Oh, okay. You I'm know, sorry. And, trying to be objective, okay. Larry. Number one, who has Michigan played that their defense would have mattered? You could have had some well, they played, uh, they played Penn State playing. and shut them down uh, in Happy Valley, and they, uh, they, also, they also slowed Ohio State down at the end of that game. And who you is? Ohio State's good. I mean, you, hey, Larry, you're uh, don't, don't laugh at Ohio State. They're pretty good. 
You're turning into a Yankee Don. That's what you are. No, no, I, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to let everybody know that this game is not. You're not playing. Uh, you know, you're not going out there playing Kentucky on on Monday. You're playing Michigan. Yeah, well, we'll see after. But how about Alabama's already beat Michigan? How about that? Well, I, I, Larry, I, I think Alabama will win, but I'm just trying to make sure that people like I'm you don't get disillusioned if, if Michigan somehow puts one on Alabama. I want you to be prepared for hey, that. Hey, yo, yo, yo. I got. I like that one. Hey, check it out, Jack. Uh, Michigan, uh, Alabama beat Michigan. Mi- Alabama State beat the crap out of Michigan East. Uh, they got a big fight, and that most of the, Larry, most are, are you uh, Larry? Are you aware that uh, Michigan uh, hasn't lost very many times over these last couple of years? <laughs> you got a pretty good pro- I mean, since when do I have to sell play? Michigan? I don't play no. Damn I don't even. I don't even like Michigan, and, I, and I'm sitting here forced into trying to convince you that this is a tough game, Larry. Hey, Jimmy, check this out. Uh, that coach done cheating. He done got some more trouble. He'd be lying to the NCAA. He, he may, he he may be doing all that, up. but but I get the worst news. But, but Larry, he will be there Monday afternoon. Okay. Hey, he's still a cheater. Well, he's he may be. He may be, uh, and certainly I'm. Uh, I'm not going to defend him. I'm just trying to condition yeah. you, Larry. Larry, uh, Larry, be careful. This could be a long afternoon for you. Could be a 19 Bud Light day. We will take a break. Speaking of that, we'll talk to one of the bright young coaches in the country coming up from the University of South Alabama. Big win in the bowl game last week. Started his football career at Arkansas. Coaching the SEC. We'll talk to Kane Womack right after this. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hey, welcome back. Ken Womack has just finished his third season at uh, the University of South Alabama. Won the 68 Ventures Bowl over the weekend. Uh, early in the season, got on everybody's radar with a mammoth upset over Oklahoma State, which plays later. Uh, and Coach, it's great to uh, say hello to you and welcome you uh, to our program. Congratulations. I know this, you always hate to see the season end, but uh, you, you ended, ending it on a, on a winning note had to feel good. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It's good to, good to be on with you. And um, 
you know, uh, you know, people talk about getting the first one is, is the hardest, right? And, you know, the first job and, and uh, for us, the first bowl game. And so, you know, it was really pretty special for for us to, to have the first bowl win in program history and to be able to do it uh, in, in, in Mobile. Um, you know, we are Mobile's football team and we take great pride in that. And to be able to do it in Mobile 68 Ventures Bowl, uh, inside, you know, Hancock Whitney Stadium was a. It was a really special moment and one that, uh, you know, that we won't forget, but also one that these players will, will get to hold on to for for a very long time. That's that's really cool because I I remember uh, Coach uh, long before that program uh, began. That bowl uh, really was was and remains uh, such pride for that community, which uh, is well known to support a lot of other programs in the state, but. Uh, you have you have elevated it. Uh, you've really made it something unique. Last year with the ten win season, this year with, with the bowl game. Uh, I, I how do you feel like uh, your program fits into where we are currently in this utterly bizarre, upside down, always changing world of intercollegiate athletics? <laughs> well, uh, I am excited about our program for sure. I couldn't tell you exactly where we are in college football right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of positives and a lot of things that um, you know that I think are a little unstable right now. And and um, like anything in America, right, we've got to let the market stable a little bit. And uh, and and quite candidly, you know, we we've, we've got a number of things that, that are. Uh, that are dictating that, and, and obviously we can go into those. You, you could go on a long line of, of where college football is right now, but I will say this, you know, South Alabama um, has positioned itself, itself to um, to really compete at, at the top um, level in group of five football, and, uh, and I think we, you know, we're in a conference that is quickly establishing itself as the premier group of five uh, conference in college football. I think um, are the resources that have been invested into this community you know you look at the city of mobile and the surrounding area in baldwin county you know with almost 500,000 people there's a tremendous uh, amount of support Um, there's a a lot of resources that we can be tapped into you know when you look at maybe some of our competitors that that are in smaller towns you know they've tapped into the same resources for year after year to to build facilities and and to do the things they need to do to win but now you know, with with name, image, and likeness opportunities, and 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 a and a chance for these young student athletes to to maximize their their financial gain through through college football. You know, I think we're really well positioned being in a community in a city that there's a lot of untapped resources for our football program. And coach, what what I found interesting about that market, uh, you know, spending most of my career in Birmingham, where you you have a, a, a similar like school, but. It seems like it's having to fight off what's down the road uh, in Auburn and and, and down the highway. Yeah. Mobile is not like that because I mean I, I've, I've I've been in, uh, in on so many different uh, venues in, on your campus uh, and you know some of the biggest benefactors uh, of the University of Alabama are, are your biggest benefactors. Uh, that is such an interesting balancing act and how how you've been able to pull that off down there. Right. No, I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when you when you look at a football rich state that we we live in, um, you know, in this city you have um, uh, uh, a number of you know you've got Alabama fans, great Alabama influencers, right? People that that 
you know, uh, that have a tremendous amount of influence in Tuscaloosa and people that have a tremendous amount of influence in Auburn. Um, and, and yet at the same time, what we're trying to sell is, look, we're, we're, we're supportive of Alabama. We're supportive of Auburn. We love living in a football-rich state, but this is Mobile's football team. And, and if you live in this community, um, you can be an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan, but know that we're going to take great pride in winning football here in Mobile. And, uh, and I think people are rallying around that. I think there's an opportunity for us to coincide together. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, if you've noticed, I, I don't remember us beating Alabama or Auburn in any recruiting battles recently. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I think that, you know, there's a fair share of great players, you know, in this state and our surrounding recruiting footprint that we're going to be able to maximize, you know, the, their opportunities through their four-year experience here, um, but also, you know, um, uh, I think continue to, to, to push this program forward. Um, and, uh, and that's exciting knowing that, you know, you're a head coach of a program that, that our best days are still ahead of us. Talking to Coach Kane Womack, and not only that, Coach, uh, you've got some of the richest high school football programs in your footprint uh, anywhere in yeah. the South, if not the country. And I know that's uh, that has to be an area that, that you lean on. Yeah, you know, we, we've we been committed to, uh, you know, when I got here, I, I was fortunate enough to be the defensive coordinator here under Joey Jones, our first head coach. And obviously, you know, Joey's had a tremendous oh, career sure. as a player at Alabama and high school coach and then went on to, to have a, you know, a 10-year uh, uh, run here as the head football coach and starting a program and all that stuff. But, you know, Joey's from Mobile, um, has connected to this city, um, and, uh, and I think really kind of opened my eyes to how great uh, the recruiting footprint is down here. And so uh, when I when I came back as the head coach, you know, one of the commitments I made is that we are going to take five players every single year, no matter what, on scholarship from Mobile, Baldwin County. And what that's done by forcing us to do that is I think we go the extra mile um, to, to evaluate players, to look at guys that are developmental frames. Maybe they have um, some type of characteristic that we feel like, you know, if developed the right way over the next couple of years can 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 make an elite football player. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it's also, I think, rallied our community, um, knowing that we are going to put a priority on players in, in, in our immediate recruiting footprint. And so uh, it's been successful so far. We've had great guys that have come out of this area. And like you said, I mean, I think Jim Nagy for the Senior Bowl a couple – uh, months ago put out a stat. I think per capita, this area has put out uh, second most amount of NFL players um, in, in a city per capita area than, than anywhere in the country. So uh, we need to make sure that we're getting our fair share of those players. Yeah, and you mentioned Joey. He was one of uh, Coach Bryant's last great uh, wide receivers. You, you you talk a little bit, you've been a, lot, a couple of places, you mentioned some of them, but you also grew up in a, in a coaching family. Uh, I know it's pretty uh, obvious uh, when, when your dad's a coach, uh, that has to have a, a significant influence. So talk about that yeah. growing up and, and what, what impact he had. Well, you know, obviously, you know, my dad, Dave Womack, had a, a tremendous career in, in college football and, and uh, you know, was a defensive coordinator in the SEC for many years and, and was fortunate enough to retire um, at, at Ole Miss under under Coach Freeze. And, and they had some great defenses there at the end as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think um, 
you know, my experiences as a head as a head football coach um, are, are are now uh, in large part to you know my experiences under my dad. You know, I wanted to be a uh, I wanted to be a head football coach since I was six years old. I, I got to dress up um, for uh, for Halloween and uh, <laughs> uh, in in the first grade, and 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 I told my. Uh, uh, my mom, I wanted to dress like dad and be a coach. And she wrote coach on the back of my shirt and gave me a whistle and a hat. And, uh, and from that point forward, I truly always saw myself through the lens of a head coach. When I went to practice, I didn't follow my dad around. I always followed the head coach around. I watched him at practice. I saw what he was doing. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, I always wanted to see myself through that lens. And I think my dad's experiences and me getting to see that at a young age, maybe, maybe gave me an opportunity um, at, at a younger age to be a head coach than, than, than where I would have been, you know, without him. And so um, it's uh, that's, that's a pretty special deal. Coach, you, you, you come off a, a 10 win season. You, you start the season, uh, you're hard to find a more difficult beginning with Tulane. And then your third game was at Oklahoma state. It's one of those games that uh, a lot of us sometimes just uh, snicker at and, and think who in the world is going to watch this game. It's going to be a blowout. And, and you went out to Stillwater and not only won the game, you won it decisively 33-7. to seven. Uh, What was that experience like, and, and how did you pull that off? Well, it was a blowout, but I'm not sure it was the one you're referring <laughs> to. So, uh, you know, we uh, – you know, I think um, th- this is a. Uh, you know, I mean, you 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 know this. You've lived in the, in this state. This is a this is a pri- a, a proud uh, you know state in football, and we've got a lot of guys in this area and surrounding areas and Mississippi and Florida that um, you know they know when they walk into those big stadiums. One, um, they know they can win, um, and two, they know that this is an opportunity to to maximize their individual, uh, you know, exposure and, and certainly what all of us have been working down here in Mobile to, to, to show that Mobile has a great product to be able to offer. And, and we want, you know, our football team to be a great representative of, of this community and the University of South Alabama. And so, you know, when you go in there a year ago, we, we, we played UCLA down to the wire and, and lost at the very end of the game on a, on a last-second field right. goal. Um, I think that allowed our players to understand that we can be in those moments and we can maximize it and expect to win as opposed to just being happy to be there. Um, and uh, and so, you know, we've also got some really talented players like we talked about. And so we got to build more consistency in this program. That's my job, you know what I mean, from the, from the head coaching position. I think we, um, we're still not there um, overall, but we've already shown in a short amount of time, I think, what this place is capable of. And, and so now we just got to continue to maximize it on a more consistent basis. Well, it is a phenomenal success story. Uh, and, and Coach, Thank you for making time. Uh, we certainly uh, wish you well in the off season. I have a feeling we'll be hearing your name often uh, in in the future. Uh, Coach, be well. Have a have a happy new year. All right, happy new year to you too, Jay's up and uh, Elio. You got it, uh, Coach Kane Womack, uh, outstanding young coach uh, at the University of South Alabama in Mobile. That will be a name that uh, is linked to a lot of jobs in the future. We'll take a short break here. Back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. How about the Cats having a nice year? Host Illinois State. Big time program there. That is 7 p.m. on Friday night. Chris is up next in Georgia. Hello, Chris. 
Hey, Paul, a couple questions for you here. By fast, you remember Andre Pupwood Smith that played for Georgia? Sure do. He's one of my favorite Georgia Bulldogs. Yes, sir. Another thing, uh, I ain't much. I'm a Dogs fan. Uh, I ain't much of a Tennessee fan, but I know you went to school there. My favorite Tennessee player of all time was Conrad Holloway. Oh, he was great. Oh, he was. They wrote that song about him. I'm kind of dating myself by years. But I want to ask you one more question, and I'll let you go. Okay. Bill Battle was coach that I remember from my, from my youth. And, you know, they was okay under him, but not great. And then Johnny Majors come and kind of built the team back up to where they was, you know, really good. And then he has his health problems. Mm-hmm. And then they get rid of him and put Phil Former's coach. I heard some rumors kind of, you know, why that was. One is he had an alcohol problem. I don't know if that's true or not. But I was just wondering, do you know exactly why they made the move after Majors built them back up? Yeah, I do do know a little bit about that story. So, uh, <laughs> was not only one of the most, I mean, Majors was a genuine Tennessee hero, as you know. Uh, he, right. he came in second in the Heisman Trophy. What I'm telling you now, I know only because I was, at, I was in school when he, when he got the job. So I, I covered it as a, as a young reporter, and uh, I'm, I'm leaning on a long time of history, but uh, Majors won the national championship in 1976 at Pittsburgh with Tony Dorsett. Right, I remember that. And he was a coveted coach. <laughs> he had been somewhat uh, ignored uh, years earlier when, when Tennessee uh, hired Bill Battle, and there was a little bit of uh, resentment. But finally, the university said uh, when they replaced Bill Battle, they said, we have to go, we have to go after Johnny. And he accepted the job before he played in the Sugar Bowl for the national championship, but, but he coached that game. Oh, so he gets the job. Uh, so I'm going to move ahead now from uh, 1977 to 1992. Uh, he'd had great success, as you know. Uh, he'd had a, he hit a couple of uh, speed bumps, I think, in 88, and uh, the program was not so much struggling, but uh, they, they were in, in 92, right before the season began, Majors went into the hospital, I believe, after suffering a heart attack. And Philip Fulmer was his top assistant, took over. What happened at the beginning of the season? Do you remember, Chris? Well, here's what, here's what happened. Tennessee, on I believe it was consecutive weekends, upset Florida and Georgia. And suddenly, Philip was a coach in demand. Majors, watching all this from the sidelines, made a grievous error. He decided to rush back. Listen, fortunately, I've never had a heart attack, but I can't imagine rushing back uh, from a heart attack. His first game, I believe they lost to Arkansas. Then they lost to Alabama. 
and the season started to spiral out of control and Fulmer uh, was being wooed by other jo other schools. And, you know, Majors always accused Philip of stabbing him in the back, of uh, saying that if you don't hire me uh, and get rid of Majors, I am leaving. <coughs> and remember, he was younger, uh, impressive. So the university uh, in the middle, uh, not in the middle, but I think early November, they decided they announced that, uh, that Fulmer uh, was going to be replacing Majors, uh, and it was one of the most bitter breakups uh, of all time. And instead of just sitting out and being patient, Johnny immediately grabbed a, a job back at Pittsburgh where he had four absolutely terrible years, but he never got over it. Uh, a couple of years ago, we actually tried to get the two together for an interview got nowhere <laughs> i mean uh, uh major I, I don't know if majors and philip fulmer ever ever buried the hatchet well you know old grudges they, they last a long time you know thank you for listening to the best of the paul feinbaum show podcast watch the paul feinbaum show weekdays from three to seven eastern on the sec network Plus, you can listen and watch on the ESPN app.